Welcome to Best Served, a podcast recognizing unsung hospitality heroes. Join Chef Jensen Cummings as he chops it up with industry leaders about the humans who've impacted their lives and careers. From childhood guides, to ass-kicking mentors, to the team members in the trenches that make it all happen. Help us celebrate these rock stars by sharing our show and nominating your own unsung hospitality heroes. Connect with us on social media at Best Served Podcast. Now here is your host. What's up, podcast? It's Corey from Best Served. This podcast is a clubhouse recording from a clubhouse titled Queering Up Food and Beverage Businesses. How can your F&B business create a more friendly and inviting environment for the queer community? We talk gendering of restrooms, uniforms, pronouns, and language affecting employees and customers. Hope you enjoy. So everybody, welcome to Queering Up Food and Beverage Businesses here on Clubhouse. Just a quick run of show breakdown. I'm going to let all of the panelists introduce themselves quickly. Uh, then we're going to get into some areas of discussion. Uh, the, each of the panelists look at this kind of a high level, hot take, their, their thoughts on the topic as a whole. And then the areas of discussion, we're going to talk a lot about gendering, which I'll give a little definition of that. And we're going to talk about language, pronouns, uniforms, restaurants, some of the things that have been heavily gendered within the hospitality, food and beverage business and want to unpack that and understand the challenges we've faced and the opportunity in front and the expectation and responsibility that's that's been called for from the hospitality industry. And that uh, some of the businesses here today are taking on that challenge and are hopefully a voice for the future of what's happening in the industry. All right, Joe, I saw you're here too. Maura, Maura, we want to have come up on stage. I'm going to invite you to speak, Maura. And yeah, let's get rolling. Kai, uh, if you want to kick us off, we'll just kind of go around the table here and uh, give us a little introduction so we know who, who we're going to be hearing from. Absolutely. Thanks, Jensen. So, hey, everyone. My name is Kai Walsh. I use the pronouns they, them. Um, I am a social entrepreneur and the founder of the Queer Umbrella. And it's our mission to make community accessible and to grow and connect LGBTQ leaders. And so we're really just trying to bring people together, create some community, and then also, you know, really further inclusive inclusive uh, policies and practices within the workplace. And so that obviously applies to food and beverage industry. So yeah, nice to meet everyone. Thank you, Kai. And Kai definitely been a, a leader throughout uh, Best Serves focus on content this month uh, with Pride Month and ongoing and some of the things we're doing to apply what we're learning into the actual foundation of businesses. So Kai, thank you very much for that. Uh, Ryan Skeel is going to jump in and uh, introduce yourself. Yeah, sure. Hi, everyone. Uh, my name is Ryan. I use the pronouns he, him, his. I'm a founder and owner of uh, Bear Brewing Company in Denver, Colorado. I am a uh, cisgendered white male trying to navigate the world as um, as advocate forward as possible here in the hospitality industry in Denver. And thanks for letting me be here. Yeah, thanks for, for being here. Calissa from Gold Spot, who's somebody who's another leader and, and doing a lot of collaboration with us, said, who are some of the allies out there? And literally, Ryan, you were the, the first name mentioned so we appreciate uh you being a part of this and uh 
you know, and outing yourself as a cisgender white male and the privilege that that carries with it and the responsibility that you're taking on. It's important. Uh, Kelly, we'll have you introduce yourself. Kelly, very much our uh, inspiration for this room. This was very important uh, to you and you wanted to kind of bring this this group together. So appreciate the leadership there. Uh, tell everyone a little bit about uh, you. Yeah, thanks, Jensen. It's great to be here and glad everybody else is here on the platform. Uh, my name is Kelly Schecksneider and I am 34. I'm a lesbian and my pronouns are she, her, and um, and I'm the CEO and owner of Murph's Condiments. And a little bit about why I wanted to have this clubhouse is, um, you know, I spend a lot of my time interacting with folks in the restaurant business and I've got tons of experience working in the restaurant business. And um, it just seemed important to um, to really just address some issues that queer employees face um, in the industry, you know, the restaurant industry and um, really the working industry at large. You know, I think we can take a lot of these topics we're going to talk today um, and and really apply them, you know, outward um, outside of the restaurant business. So I'm happy to have everybody here and happy to be here. Thanks. Thank you. Appreciate that. Yeah, we have a lot. A lot of work to do on this front and uh, appreciate you for thinking, bringing this, this crew together. Uh, Audrey, you want to tell us a little bit about, uh, about yourself? Hello. Uh, I'm Audrey Corley. Um, I identify she and her pronouns. I'm the owner of Boycott Bar. Uh, I've owned it for uh, five years and that location I've had a boycott as a roving party in Arizona for women for 17 years, starting in July. In July, it'll be 17 years. Thank you for having me. 17 years. I mean, this in this industry, that's multiple lifetimes. <laughs> yeah, without aging myself, I've been around a minute, but it's a, been a blessing to be a part of the community and watch it grow and see the difference in how everything has changed throughout the year. So it's pretty nice. It's great. We have lots of work. Not, learn from you, not just on the topic, but just pure longevity and how to sustain. I, we're going to have to sidebar that. That's a whole different conversation where uh, burnout is such a real thing in our industry, especially when you're dealing with such heavy issues and, and becoming a battleground for, for so many topics, which I know we'll get into. So, uh, Joe, jump in and uh, unmute your microphone. Let us know uh, who you are, who we're listening to. Yeah, uh, I'm Joe McDaniel. I am one of the founders of As You Are Bar in Washington, D.C., not unlike Audrey, I uh, started in this industry in 2005, so uh, really close in terms of how long I've been doing this. I've been fortunate. All the spaces I've worked in in food and beverage have been queer, um, gay, usually uh, identified. And uh, my partner and I decided this year that it was time for us to open our own space um, and be the owners so that the buck could stop there so we can provide safety to our queer community. And I think that sets an example for uh, the food and beverage community at large, sort of our mission and being out there and, and talking about why we do the things we do. So I dig that we're seeing some representation across the board here. And um, I'm really fortunate. I got to meet Audrey in New York surrounding the Lesbian Bar Project this uh, this year. And so it's it's really cool to see faces you know pop up in these important conversations and so thank you, Jensen and, and Kai and everyone for putting this together because it is so important. And shout out for the Lesbian Bar Project for sure. Erica Rose and their team has been instrumental in bringing so many thinkers to the forefront and connecting us as well. And, and uh, just been a 
ton of fun and super informative to, to just mix it up with, you know, like-minded people and people thinking differently and living uh, a, rea- a different reality and how we kind of bring those things together and, and start to create a, a better understanding has been important. So yeah, big shout out to Erica and their team there. Uh, Mara, you want to jump in and uh, tell us a little about yourself? Go ahead. You're on my, uh, you're unmuted. We can, we can hear you. Can you hear me okay now? Yes, we got you. Okay. Um, so I'm Mara Grabzinski. I am the founder of Red Camper, Red Camper Picnic Supply and Mercantile. I identify as she, her. Um, was invited by Kelly. Um, I, let's see, Red Camper is a lifestyle brand. We're a CPG maker of, of preserves, mostardas, and a few other products at this point. Cocktail cherries now. Um, we also have a retail location. So um, I don't have a ton of experience in this particular topic, but I um, definitely feel like my brand has always had a social and environmental awareness segment to it. And um, I appreciate Kelly inviting me to this, this conversation. Um, I'm a firm believer that the rising tide lifts all boats and there needs to be equity. So I'm on board. Thanks for having me here. Race, you go ahead, unmute your microphone. If you're if you're talking at your phone, we can't hear you. Oh, I couldn't hear you there for a minute, but I am here. Uh, hi, I'm Rach Pike. I am the other co-founder of As You Are Bar, partnering with Joe. Um, quick what's up to Odd. Good to see you on here. Hey, boo. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, so I've not been in the industry. I'm uh, she, they pronouns, uh, genderqueer human. Um, I've not been in the industry as long. I started at um, the former bar that Joe and I ran together, a league of our own in, in DC and um, a very security minded human um, and actually just had a really great conversation around some of the happenings in DC that Jensen, we talked about on your podcast earlier um, in, I guess last week and uh, want to start using different language even around that and calling it safety management because we think it, uh, it includes more than just bouncing people out of, out of, uh, the establishment or keeping brawls from happening, but also making sure people feel safe when they walk in and using restrooms and when they're addressed by staff and um, when they're engaging with other patrons and uh, kind of monitoring and enforcing our enthusiastic model of consent uh, with our patrons and in our space. So that's really where my experience comes in uh, in the industry. Uh, I've become a bartender, love that too, but even behind the bar, very um, safety management minded human. And so these topics are just so important to the spaces we're trying to create and the communities we're trying to serve, which are, you know, often the most marginalized uh, humans. So we really appreciate you putting this together and uh, I'm excited to learn from everybody here. An absolute honor to have everybody here together. And uh, we're going to you know, try and bring some new thinking uh, to light here. We're also 
going to try and give some actionable uh, elements. You know, sometimes it's hard to understand how to navigate this. You're getting your head kicked in and busy services. And we have such longstanding, very rigid hierarchies and training and language. Uh, It's going to take some effort. It's going to take some care to be able to shift this. And so we want to bring some attention to this one. So like, as I mentioned, this month just brought a little bit of awareness and attention uh, of, of, you know, the zeitgeist of what's happening in this moment. Yet this work is ongoing and in perpetuity will have to be addressed uh, within this industry. So, you know, we're committed to that and doing a lot of work to, to build that into the businesses, into the training, understanding the things that historically in hospitality we do very well and deploying that against things that we don't. So the, the idea of gendering, something that we do strongly in, in restaurants, and, and often it was done, you know, as, as a part of hospitality. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. These, these very cordial, the way that we greet people, these things were, were built with great intent. Now we have to reconcile the fact that that intent, although pure and potentially on target at in certain places at certain times, at this moment, there's a different expectation, a different responsibility, and a different opportunity. And that's what we're going to get into. And I'm big on just trying to understand for myself, you know, and we start talking about, you know, non-gendered restrooms, gender neutral restrooms, uh, pronouns, and it can get, it can get overwhelming daunting. So I go to some, some definitions and I was interested in, gender gendering what what the definition is that so i want to just read this for a second as it might help set the table a little bit so gender gendering excuse me uh integrating the gender perspective into the understanding and construction of persons phenomena reflections things relationships sectors of action uh societal subsystems and institutions in relation to people the term gendering refers to the process of socialization according to the dominant gender norms it may also refer to the addition of an alternative gender identity and the transcendence of all the recognized modes of how to be lived and individualized gender, gender fluidity. So that just kind of helped me try to understand where we stand currently. And so I want to go around the, the table a little bit and, and again, reinforce, really, we're talking a lot about language. We're talking about the use of, of pronouns in addressing individuals. We're going to be talking about uniforms. We're going to talk about restrooms. These are some of the, again, the spots historically we've potentially been weak on, the places where we have some skills that we can deploy and strengths, I believe, that we can deploy towards these efforts. And also these have become battleground areas, especially with, uh, with restrooms. And so it's an important topic for us to touch on. And I want to start going around the table and uh, we'll kind of go in the same order again. So Kai, I'll have you kick us off. And uh, just high level, when we're talking about gendering, we're talking about businesses, the responsibility, the opportunity, uh, give us your high level thinking, hot take, whatever it might be. Just take a, a minute or two and kind of set the tone for us. Yeah, absolutely. So definitely, I think um, a big conversation I've been having a lot is uh, around gender neutral restrooms. So we'll obviously get there a little later. But I think the language is just a very important aspect, right? And so as a consumer, every time I walk into a restaurant or any kind of place where there's service, um, I I am typically misgendered. It's it's I think I've had one or two people in my entire life um, who have actually asked me for my pronouns or corrected themselves after being like, oh, sorry, I actually don't know 
who you are, how to, how to exactly define you. And so I think that it's important to realize that as a company, as a, as a culture, the culture you want to create in your business, right? It should be something where you want the people who are working with you, right? To, um, feel comfortable introducing themselves with their pronouns. I think that's one actionable, actionable tangible item um, that people can start doing literally today. It's it, start getting comfortable with introducing yourself with your pronouns. And so if you can kind of create that culture, um, it shows especially your queer employees and, and your queer customers, you know, it, it shows that you care and that you're aware of this. Um, and I think language, you know, going back through all of your policies and making sure that, you know, it's not gendered language and that you you do have in, uh, gender identity or ex expression as a protected category within your policies, um, you know, having different guidelines um, within your restaurant handbooks, all of that stuff. So I think it's really important to be cognizant of, you know, the gendered style of service and especially the food and beverage industry and something that oh man if if even one extra person started asking me hey what are your pronouns um you know that it, it it's a make or break for my day kind of thing it can really it can really ruin people's days when when they're misgendered right off the bat and it makes them feel excluded right from the get-go and so especially, you know, creating that rapport and that relationship with your customers, um, you know, it's an essential step. And especially for, you know, millennials and Gen Z, 75% uh, uh, of the workforce in 2025 is going to be uh, millennials, right? And we already see that the younger generations do not like gendered, gendered style anything. They, you know, they, they want to kind of get rid of these gendered norms and these rigid, um, I, I guess, boundaries. Um, and so, yeah, I, and especially with Gen Z, you know, one in six identify as something other than straight. So um, we're gonna see this huge, huge, huge push from the young consumers. Um, and so I think it's really important to adapt and to recognize that going forward, yeah. Yeah, thanks for that. And look, you, you mentioned being a social entrepreneur, anytime you can do the right thing and, and have that be a good business decision. That's what we're here to do. That's what we really want to create the opportunity for. So look, there's moments of reflection absolutely that are needed. We need to take responsibility and, and address the culpability that we have in the situation that we're in and spend time understanding the opportunity. There's a massive opportunity to be able to engage in new ways and create a, create the extension of the hospitality that was pointed and positioned towards a, a certain segment that now we realize there's a mass uh, difference in the expectation and the uh, the generational shift, I think, is something that's hyper relevant right now. So I appreciate that as well. Uh, Kelly, for you, uh, yeah, a little more, set the tone. What else do we need to be thinking about at that high level before we kind of get into some actionable policy details type things? Oh man, I think what's coming up for me is just that, you know, really, you know, when you're interacting in the larger world or interacting in your community or in your, um, you know, your restaurant or your profession that like, you know, really are, um, you know, we're sizing people up all the time, right? We look at somebody and we make a series of assumptions about them and then we approach them based on those assumptions. And I think that, you know, I think that the goal, um, 
here is that we that we get out of operating um, in the gender binary. You know, we get out of operating in any binary at all, right? People are really fluid and, um, you know, we're all somewhere on the spectrum. Even, you know, I identify really like, I'm like 99% lesbian, you know, every once in a while I get a crush on a boy, but for the most part I date girls. But, you know, there are lots of other female bodied individuals that look like me, right, that are bisexual, that are also straight, you know, so it's just this idea that, you know, I get, I get out of my assumptions, I get out of the the binary, you know, I've got no idea what somebody's pronouns are, I've got no idea what somebody's sexual orientation is, or identity is based on necessarily the clothes they're wearing, or the haircut they have, or the amount of makeup they have on. And so I think for me that, um, you know, it's really just kind of you know, watching my watching my brain make up stories about people in my periphery or in my immediate vicinity and thinking to myself, well, I don't actually, I don't actually know anything about that person. I've never met them before. So, you know, can I really start the conversation by saying, you know, like, hi, my name's Kelly. And, you know, my pronouns are she, her, and, you know, um, tell me about you, you know, and really just like leaving it open-ended and, and creating space, you know, and making an invitation for the other person to show up and, and, and let you know who they are, you know, I mean, I, I think that, you know, um, I'm, you know, I'm hundred percent guilty too, of just coming to the table with, uh, with a lot of assumptions based on what somebody might look like. And, um, and you just never really know. So I think that just creating space, you know, really creating space in our, our workplaces for everybody to show up exactly as they are. Yeah, it brings up questions. We're an industry built on questions, you know, to try and navigate into what does somebody want to drink? What do they want to eat? What's something that they uh, usually enjoy? What's something new that we might introduce them to? We ask a lot of questions. And those steps of service, training and hospitality, again, these are things that we're good at. We need to understand different ways and different expectations to deploy those. So I appreciate that, Kelly. You know, Ryan, for you, uh, mentioning, you know, being an ally, somebody who's thinking about this, uh, that may, may not be living experience it. Give us, give us your thoughts. How are you approaching gendering? How does it come up in your day-to-day or the way that you're thinking about your business at the highest level? Yeah, sure. Um, I just want to say first, I appreciate um, a couple of the points that people have made. The idea that Gen Z is one six identify um you know, as a non-gendered person, or I forget the verbiage you said is not straight as, as not straight. Um, that makes me excited. Um, I feel like in my company, I feel blessed that we have kind of always pushed to advocate for the marginalized, any marginalized community. And so that has blessed me with the experience to be around a lot of people that are not straight. Um, and have people that aren't straight come work um, for us. So it's always been a big conversation here. And, you know, one of the things we've been working on, uh, queer or otherwise, here at uh, the brewery is the um, the go-to statement when someone walks in of being like, hey, guys, how's it going? Always using that guy's um, terminology. And, you know, we're always kind of, trying to stop ourselves from even just saying something as simple as that. Um, I, I do, I'm encouraged to <laughs> try to introduce myself using my pronouns too, as well. That's definitely going to be a change of, uh, um, how to talk in the world. 
and um, you know, I have a I have a five year old son with very long hair who, at the moment, he identifies as male, and he's always getting called out or um, being called a female. Um, especially when we go to restaurants, we were at a very like progressive forward restaurant yesterday, and I just had a baby daughter um, a week, two weeks ago, and you know, the the server was talking to him about if he's excited about being an older sister, you know, and he just kind of stares at her. So from a parent perspective, I'm watching that um, in the hospitality industry and watching my son kind of navigate how to respond to that um, sort of thing. But as far as the business owner goes, it's, it's really just as, you know, as I said, a cisgendered white male trying to just listen and ask people what they need and advocate for things and um, recently put in my email signature, you know, my pronouns, and then a link to a page that says, um, please tell me yours, and what does this mean? And so just always, we're just trying to always put these little things everywhere that shows that we're here and we're listening, and um, hopefully people see that we have open arms or call us out if our arms are closed. Thanks for that, Ryan. Yeah, we spend a lot of time uh, labeling and when that goes into gendering, it, it creates a vulnerability clearly. So appreciate you pointing that out. And even just those knee jerk language. What's up guys. Like that, that's an easy thing. You know, I call a group of, of quote unquote males. Hey gentlemen, Hey fellas. And it's like, where, where, and how do we break the cycle of just going into those robotic ways of communicating so i appreciate that uh audrey for you high level thinking on on kind of gendering and the <laughs> opportunity and vulnerability i know so much to say just uh anything else that can kind of set the tone and then i want to talk about some specifics but I want to give her one opportunity just to touch on it quickly well you know in the bar business it's a little different i come from the time when everybody was sweetie and honey and babe you know i mean it was a little different so now throughout the years it's changed and i think as an owner I've had to learn to adjust a lot because, you know, this is like in the last couple of years, it's the first time people have asked me my pronouns and how I identify. I've just kind of always gone through business. And in the last few years, we've had to adjust because the younger generation really is a little different. They don't want to be labeled. They really are in a more diverse uh, kind of understanding of who they are. I think it's kind of my age group and older that is like, wait, you know, they're kind of stuck back in how it was. So it's been a process. And for my staff, you know, we try to make everyone feel as comfortable as they are, just who they are. I want everyone to feel welcome in their own being. And I think that's creating those safe spaces and learning and asking the right questions is how you kind of kind of start training your staff to go in a better direction for growth in this situation. You know, it's just um, it's been pretty a, a learning experience for me as well throughout the years. That's it. That that curiosity, that, that's what it has to start with. The curiosity to understand somebody else's journey has to be at the forefront of this, which again is what we're supposed to be in the business of doing. We are in the relationship business, right? And every relationship was created by curiosity. You know, and I think it's important for us to, to recognize that. Uh, Joe, for you, same kind of same thing, high level. What, uh, what do we need to be thinking about? What's top of mind for you? Yeah, I think high level level is the biggest step. I think when we are leaders in our community, in our industry, there's a responsibility that comes along with that to 
educate, to be willing to be held accountable, Ryan, I really appreciated that calling in the factor of, of wanting your patronage to tell you if you screw up, right? Or if they were felt, uh, you know, if you harmed them in some way, if they were made to feel uncomfortable. And in terms of, you know, where it's gendering for us, you know, we uh, are really fortunate to be lined up with some like historic cool projects and they're gendered, right? There's this whole concept that Rach and I are opening a girl bar and that's not what we're opening at all. And even um, for me personally, I identified as a lesbian for a really long time and then was in relationships with people who didn't fall on the gender binary and queer became an identity that fit me better because of the relationships I'm in and I use she, her pronouns and I'm cisgendered and white and straight passing. So I walk through the world with a lot of privilege, which also gives me the opportunity as a high, at a high level to start to change the narrative of our industry of gendering. Uh, we started at our, you know, when Rachel and I worked together, we started using, hey friends or hey folks, like there's so many opportunities to remove gender and the thing about it, I thought Kelly's point was so perfect, that curiosity, when you meet someone, you literally know nothing about them. So that opportunity to be like, hey, I'm Joe, I use she, her pronouns, I identify as queer. How about you? Or, or you know, do you want to answer those questions? Just like really, um, like you said, this is a, a business of hospitality. Our goal is to make people comfortable and to help facilitate that. And sometimes that's backing off a little bit, right? and being willing to, from the top level with your staff, ask for their input and then bring in, there's so much information out there. We have so many ways to educate ourselves. So using that education, asking questions appropriately, and then shifting when you find you did something wrong. I think the capacity for flexibility, Audrey made a good point and, um, Henrietta Hudson in New York City, the owner, Lisa Canestresi, has been around for, she's owned it since 1985. And she put out a statement saying, like, we're not just a lesbian bar anymore. She got a lot of flack for it. She got a lot of people really interested in it. But she, a, a lot of people gave her a really hard time. And she was like, listen, that language doesn't suit our, our patronage anymore. So, like, being willing as a leader in the industry to say, for this long, we've said this this one way. And as we learn more, we want to include more people. Now we have language that we didn't have before. And I think that's that's the key in our industry is to be flexible, to be ready to, to shift with the times, just like people's palates change and restaurant styles change. So do the people coming in and, and, and you know, finding, a safe, finding safety in our spaces. Such a mindset shift that we're talking about, Joe, the paradigm of, you don't have to be in this scarcity mindset where, where because you are using a certain type of language to be cordial, to have manners, that can still be the goal. We just are expanding the lexicon of, of that opportunity. And so because we did not use the correct language does not mean we had ill intent. And that means it's okay to reconcile that with a, a new type of language because the hospitality and that relationship building is still core and fundamental to that. So appreciate that. Mara, for you, same high level. What's, uh, what, what's top of mind for you? Oh man, this has all been super interesting so far. And, um, I'm definitely coming at this from a different angle than, than the rest of the folks here. Um, 
I mean, for us as a, as a packaged good, I suppose gender, gender comes about mostly in our, in our storytelling and our marketing and like targeting our marketing towards different segments and how we speak to those segments. And, and that's something that, um, you know, I can even call my different flavors. She, he, or they, you know, like each of the different flavor profiles I have in my mind equated some sort of personality and putting a pronoun to that personality. Um, it's a, like, it's a different, interesting twist to hospitality for certain, but, um, but it's challenging too, because, you know, as we're digging more into dig- digital marketing and trying to, to find ways to get our product out there, really all of the, the metrics out there are, age, gender, and, and maybe geographic location. So, so you're kind of directed to point your marketing towards a 25 to 55 year old woman. Okay. So, but that doesn't, but that's, that's definitely not, because you could have all different types of women, he, she, they, in that segment, it becomes confusing. And I think, um, I think the challenge that we're looking at right now is the inclusion versus segmentation. Like, how do you, how do you include, but at the same time, segment in a way that highlights attributes, if that makes any sense at all. Um, so anyway, that's one thought that I was having on another on another uh, gist or another leg of that. I um, had the good good fortune to have a cousin come work for me a few years ago, and at the point at the point that she came to work for me, she identified as a she. At some point in the the months that she was working with me, she decided that she really needed to change to a he. And so it was, and she's a family member. They're a family member. And so it, it, it's been a challenge <laughs> for, for me to, to re-identify with her new identity and, and to figure out what that means in working together and, and sharing that story with the other members. Um, anyway, I, I think that's all I have to say at the moment. That's really great. A lot said. I, I can completely understand the, the challenges that that creates for you because so many of the tools and resources that you have at your disposal as a, a business owner operator in this industry and beyond are so rife with gendering. And so to break that down is is one thing but to put your business at a at a potentially competitive disadvantage uh in that way can be incredibly challenging as well so that's exactly what we want to be talking about you know kai brought this up where kai is talking to yelp about maybe there's new new icons that can be created within a, a business profile to be able to think about you know i'm, I'm going to go support this business not because they're 
kid-friendly, dog-friendly. They have parking, but they also are putting an icon up that says that they have gender-neutral restrooms. You know, these are the the shifts in the way that we're doing business that these conversations are sparking. So, appreciate that. Uh, rates for you, same. What's uh, as a as a safety-minded person? Uh, anything else to extend the conversation of gendering? And then again, we're going to get into some specifics that hopefully can bring some action to people that are struggling to navigate this and trying to figure out how to do the right thing and balance that with their business and, and opportunity and challenges. So Rach, what else you got? Yeah. So, I mean, first of all, everybody has said so many things that have been so on the nose and, and so relatable for me and my experience in um, life overall. Uh, one of the things I think is really important to note is that we are living in a capitalistic society and it is risky to uh, and hard for business owners to wrap their mind around making these adjustments that might cost them more money, might uh, make some of their regular patronage uncomfortable and maybe they lose those people, might slow the process of whatever it is they're trying to achieve down. And there is some risk in that. And I think Joe and I as were uh, creating As You Are Bar have had feedback from people even within our queer community that are like yeah I know you want to do that but it's gonna cost you a lot or that's not gonna make everybody comfortable or that's not what we're used to and I think it just takes a whole lot of courage to say uh, and a belief system but to say that we're, we're willing to take this risk to do the right thing and be inclusive and take care of humans and the needs of humans because we're firm believers that safety is uh, kind of a, a baseline need for human beings to experience life beyond survival and into thriving. And if we do the right thing, we'll make the money that keeps us open to keep doing the right thing. And maybe we're foolish, we haven't started yet, but I doubt it and I'm looking forward to doing the right thing and having people that were concerned that we're trying to cover too many bases or reach to too many communities or whatever it might be um, maybe anticipating failure there, and uh, you know we we just don't think that's probable. Um, and the marginalized humans are um, we're not represented regularly. It's not comfortable for people to have to adjust their language. Uh, and I think you know we've we've spoken about this before, but you know I I'm trying to go to the bathroom, which is a, a, a survival need, or I'm trying to pick clothes that make me feel safe which is a survival need because I can't go out of the house without them. And that that's work for me every day. It takes courage for me every day. So for people that fit in the more cultural norm to stretch a little, they, they can do that work. We're doing work to survive every day. They can do that work to help us survive a little more peacefully. Um, and I do, I do understand the, the business mindset that that's a, a risk in capitalism, and I think it's worth it. Uh, one of the big challenges I think just yesterday that we're <laughs> trying to figure out how to fix is that Anheuser-Busch has uh, funded some anti-LGBTQ uh, organizations and now we're opening a bar and we have to debate whether or not we're going to have Bud Light, which is a huge challenge and we want to do the right thing. So it's probably going to be worth it to us to buy local and find other brands that support our community because I don't want to fund people that are destroying the very people trying to drink their beer. Um, which is a risk, but it's worth taking. So I think keeping that in mind is important. Yeah, that, 
talking about that competitive potential disadvantage. Uh, and I think that's the short-term versus long-term thinking. And sometimes that's really hard when it's like, do we, do we fucking put Bud Light on or not? Like that's, <laughs> that's a, a strangely existential and very practical question that, that you have to navigate. So it's, it's the reality of it. Now, <clears throat> this is something else and that I kind of want to, I want to wrap up these two points, but I just want to throw this out there. And then I want to talk a little bit about restaurants restrooms, excuse me, and uniforms specifically, because I think pronouns and language we got into a little bit. But one of the things is like, there's so much potential white space for marginalized and underserved communities that are becoming more and more motivated to use their voice and their dollar in that capitalistic system to spend their money now where they want to spend their money later. And so there's a dynamic at play right now. Now, when that creates critical mass so that it becomes truly a smart business decision in the short term, that still obviously uh, needs to be played out and appreciate how hard that is to decide on something as trivial and as monumental as Bud Light on the menu. A couple other things for language. I think the key for language, any operators, any managers that uh, are listening to this, especially on the podcast, is this will be evergreen. Again, this whole recording will be on Best Served Podcasts, on Anchor, all the podcast platforms, so that this can continue to get uh, uh, traction as more and more businesses, more and more people become uh, aware of what's happening and the opportunities. Language, zoom out. Think about all of the copy and paste language we've used for so long that has served to some degree and zoom out. Use the intent that you have to make somebody feel comfortable that that internally and externally you're creating a space that has psychological safety as its foundation, that you're building a hospitable, fun environment that it vibes in whatever way that your brand expresses itself or however you tell stories. But zoom out from that and understand that that rigid structure and expectation is no longer in place and there's huge opportunity to create your own language right there's a whole new lexicon being formed so know that you have that opportunity zoom out and deploy that intent of hospitality and listen to leaders like in this room uh, that'll help you navigate and then listen to each individual on your team that you're interacting with They'll tell you if you create a safe space for that feedback loop. I think that's important. Pronouns. Mo Abdullah from Culture Energized, who I'm so excited is going to be training some of the uh, best served clients that we have on DEII and uh, microaggression, bias training. Um, really honored to have that built in. Shifted something for me. You know, I'd ask people, what, what, uh, what pronouns do you prefer? And prefer even says that somehow I am putting them in a position that it's not matter of fact, and that's been mentioned multiple times. So which, uh, which pronouns do you use? Just matter of fact, I think it's just this micro shift that has an impact that can change somebody's day. And if you're in the business of creating regulars, Kai mentioned it, you change that day for that one person, you will find the loyalty that so many brands are striving for to create that community. That one little shift in language can have you know a, a 10x impact on that individual and their community and and their dollar. So take it seriously. I think it's important. All right, <clears throat> restrooms and uniforms. I want to talk about those again? Highly gendered, uh, especially restrooms are, are a battleground. They have been for generations and generations. From thinking of you know, and restaurants have been a battleground for so many 
um, socioeconomical, racist, uh, political uh, entrenchments that, uh, you know, it's still playing out today. And so I want to like touch on that. So what I want to do is just kind of open it up uh, and, uh, you know, let's start with, let's talk about restrooms a little bit and then we'll talk about uniforms. We got uh, uniforms. We got some good insight from Ali Spalding over at a league of her own uh, last week in our discussion. So definitely have people check that out. There's some good stuff there. If if we get stuck on restrooms, which we might, that's the restrooms, Uh, you know, Kai, maybe jump in here as as this was the number one topic that you wanted to make sure that uh, this month in collaborating all this content that was at the forefront and, we're doing a lot of, uh, of content around it, including different styles of communication. V from Under the Desk News and I are doing a collaboration on TikTok because we want to be omnipresent for people communicating in the way that they are on the topics that are important to them. Akai, break it down for us a little bit. And then please, anybody jump in and uh, unmute your microphone. If you see somebody else unmute their microphone, just uh, cordial and, and we'll come to you next. But uh, let's just have an open discussion for the next about 15, 20 minutes. And uh, we'll start gendered, gender neutral bathrooms or non-gendered restrooms. And I think there's some opportunity for deciphering that language. I'm babbling. Kai, jump in here. All right. I got you. So obviously this, um, Jensen, as you know, this this topic really fires me up, right? It's something that I experience daily. It's, it's um, I'm actually still shocked because even very inclusive spaces and restaurants and bars, you know, they still tend to have uh, gendered bathrooms. And um, so a big thing that the Queer Umbrella, uh, my organization is working towards, is working with, uh, you know, just different spaces to convert all of their multi, multi-stall uh, restrooms into gender neutral restrooms. And so if anyone has any questions on that or wants any advice on that, definitely I suggest reaching out to me or doing some research. But essentially when we think about gendered restrooms and kind of where it started, and historically it started with the Victorian era and excluding, uh, excluding women, and um, then, you know, kind of continued on. Um, and so we saw, you know, so these in having segregated spaces, right? Um, it, it benefits those in power and prevents marginalized groups realistically from participating in public space, right? So I, I forget exactly who was saying this, but, you know, it is a, it, it's a necessity. It's a, something that everyone needs to do. Everyone needs to go to the restroom. Right. And so not having access to restrooms um, can actually bar people from actively participating in public spaces. Right. And so, you know, for example, traveling, keeping a job, going to events, participating in public life, as I mentioned. And it's really interesting to think back to, you know, why do we have a men's room is just, you know, a human and then a woman's room is a human with a dress on, right? And it's kind of this cultural attitude um, surrounding gender, but then also this patriarchal notion that men are the default and women are an addition with frills, right? And so why not instead just use signage of a toilet saying, hey, by the way, this is a toilet that you can use. You can use, the yeah. So I think um, that's kind of the really big part about historically gendered bathrooms. And so... I mean, it's it, especially if you have multi stalls and they have doors, you know, safety as a concern for, you know, having 
gender neutral multi stall restrooms. I mean, if we're thinking about safety or privacy, um, I'll talk about privacy and then I'll um, wrap it up. But privacy, I mean, we're already seeing the, I guess the, what's the word? Just the, the ways that restrooms are already like letting us down, I guess is a good way to say that. You know, there's these huge gaps um, on the bottom and on the top of stalls. There's very little privacy within gendered multi-stall restrooms. And so I think that moving forward, we really have to think about kind of construction construction, and what that looks like to create safer, more privacy, um, you know, multi-stall gender neutral restrooms where people can just go. And so 60% of trans Americans avoided public restrooms for fear of harassment. Um, I believe that was 2020. But, you know, if, if you're worried about trans people using the bathroom, trust me, trans people are more worried about using the bathroom. And so a big thing is having your friends, you know, kind of scout that out and be like, hey, can you check out the restroom for me? Like, I want to make sure it's safe and that I'm going to be okay. Um, so I think it's just, you know, getting really familiar, getting up close with kind of the day-to-day -day struggles and especially for trans and gender non-conforming individuals, because, you know, you'd be shocked how many people have the audacity to just be like, hey, you, you use the wrong restroom. And it's like, hey, you have no idea my my gender or my identity. And, you know, it, it's not you to for you to decide. So, um, yeah. And with all of the bathroom bills and um, you know, the anti-trans legislation that's happening across the U.S. I think it's so important to be like, oh, yeah, you know what? Let's get ahead of this. Like, let's get ahead of the curve and start really just opening up restrooms as a public space where people can go to the bathroom. It doesn't matter how you identify, how you express your gender, you know, just going to the bathroom, plain and simple. So I'll let anyone else hop in there. Uh, I have a lot of experience similar to Kai with bathroom incidents, uh, story upon story upon story. Um, it has been a risk at my job uh, as a personal trainer working in a fitness center. Uh, and uh, it's been a challenge. The, like I, ha I know the, the locations that are most terrifying, airports, movie theaters, uh, restaurants are up there on the list. Um, and it's, it's taken so much of my energy in my lifetime. And this is since I was about seven years old. So Ryan, I can kind of relate to your story about your, uh, your, your son. Like it, it created great trauma in me and great shame for me that I carry probably still today, if I'm being honest, um, that, that I was the one that was wrong because I was making somebody uncomfortable because of the way my hair was cut or the clothes I wore. Um, or the way my face looks, which I have zero control over. Um, and I think that the, the, when, you don't, when you don't live these experiences, these conversations are so important. And, and hopefully people that are most like me are not the only people listening because they already know they live it. It's hopefully the, the, the people that are more privileged that are hearing these conversations because we, it is a matter of survival. I have to go. I will opt out of uh, like like I was saying, certain evenings, I always send when I'm with somebody, especially Joe, to the restroom first to scout that out. And it's because I want to stay safe. And for a very long time, I felt guilty and shameful and at fault for being in a restroom when it's where I actually belonged. Um, and now, and I, I 
think this took uh, years of healing, but I try to see myself as a gift when I'm in those restrooms and I chat and somebody is uncomfortable with my presence because I'm just one more touchstone for them to recognize that not all women or humans that use the, that restroom look like they do. And we're not wrong. We're also not wrong. Um, and it, it takes courage and lots of uncomfortable conversation and a lot of accountability. Uh, and I have to prepare myself every time. And um, so, so just the, the stress of that. And then in addition to know that the, the humans that are often facing these challenges when they're going to just relieve themselves in the restroom are already probably part of marginalized communities, right? Queer people, um, the LGBTQIA com community. And a lot of that community already comes with trauma and m mental illness or mental health um, challenges because they've been trying to identify with no safe space to do that most of their life. And so those are such triggering moments. Uh, and language can be so triggering. Jensen, you mentioned, like, instead of saying, what are your preferred pronouns? Um, what pronouns do you use? And I would even challenge that and say, just ask somebody, what are your pronouns? Because my identity is mine. I own it. It belongs to me. So just call it mine and let me tell you, right? Um, and then once I do, begin using those pronouns. And if you don't and you make a mistake, and I've told you, yeah, for example, that uh, I think Mar, your, your cousin's a good example of this. He's shared that he's transitioning his pronouns are he, him. And when you use she saying, oh, I'm so sorry, he, I'm, I'm gonna get it. Like I'm working on it, right? Instead of just letting it slip and slide and go by because you're uncomfortable with the fact that you've misgendered them. That, that means the most to people. Uh, it really changes your experience when you just know somebody is trying to do better. Um, so that's a, a little bit of my experience and how, how basic this need is that we make this change. I'm happy to jump in uh, from the spaces and restrooms um, as somebody who has potty privilege, which I have lots of privileges, potty is one of them. Uh, no one ever assumes something about me when I step into a restroom uh, based on which one I went into. So I think uh, there are several from like a top down situation, how we label the facilities in our spaces is one of the most allied things we as you know proprietors and business owners that's the first thing we can do and i think that we've spoken about this before with kai and and jensen i think not making it othered i think that's a, a common um sort of tongue-in-cheek way to remove gender from restrooms but what often happens is it's male female or other and I can't imagine a world where anyone enjoys being referred to in that way. So making sure, I mean, we went to, there's this great coffee shop in DC uh, and they just literally had the French word for toilet, which is a little bit nicer than toilet. It just adds the E-T-T-E -T -T -E at the end, but was real clear. That's where you do what you need to do. Um, and that's all it said. And I think, you know, we had a pop-up and we put signs on the doors and one door said stalls and one door said urinals. I think removing 
it's just a human function. So removing any kind of gender from the facilities, I think that's the first step. And the more businesses that aren't even necessarily allied, I mean, Ryan, you're a brewer, right? So like that's historically a boys club. We have a really great brewery here in DC called DC Brow. And the guys who run it are amazing and and allies and for all intents and purposes could have just joined this cis white boys club and instead speak out against any kind of phobias, um, which people aren't really scared there. That's just what we call it. Um, but really, like speak out actively more than they even need to, to make sure that even because then they're starting conversations with people who have the privilege not to need to have those conversations right so i think that's from a from a, a proprietor and an ownership those are ways we can immediately remove gender from our businesses and i you know rachel and i are a little different there's some expectations based on the patronage we serve and it's it's starting the conversations especially in in allied communities of when you take the gender off the restroom, everybody knows what you do in there. There doesn't need to be a, a specific um, conversation about it. And so I think removing the, gen the genders from restaurant restrooms in restaurants from like the highest class to the diviest. The first time I saw a water closet put on a door was this like hole in the wall dive bar. And I was so impressed because I was like, just that you're paying attention to that detail that changes things for people and it's so important. And it's such a way, like we talked about, of shifting that narrative and, and doing it consistently. It's like, it's, it, it isn't hard. And I think that's why it's so useful. Yeah, I, uh, <clears throat> I just wanted to jump in for a sec and say that we still don't have signage for our bathrooms. We just have two single hole bathrooms and every time I go look for a you know quote unquote gender neutral signage I'm just kind of disappointed by the options out there and so now it seems so obvious to just put a sign that says toilet or toiletin or water closet up there and I've always felt like we're just missing out on the opportunity to have another it's just a blank space where there's opportunity to advocate for um, all the ideas that we're talking about. And so um, thank you all. Yeah, I wanna maybe uh, pose this, you know, again, it's, it's going, it's change. So many people and in institutions and industries and, you know, fear that change because it's an unknown variable. And is it going to be the demise of your business? is, you know, the fear that grips, especially if you're an independently owned small operation, like you're already getting crushed by so many factors. So obviously you can appreciate the challenges yet. Again, I just, I think like nobody gives a shit about the Bud Light or the burger anymore. Like that's the shift that's happening. So you have to tell a meaningful and compelling story that's different, that's unique, that's authentic, if that word is still allowed anymore. Like it has to be true. Right. It has to speak that truth. And I think there that the restrooms are an opportunity to speak to an audience that is that is just chomping at the bit, waiting so ready for any segment of our capitalistic society and industry to say, you you fucking matter. We're going to put forth the effort. We might fuck it up. We might like 
have to learn from you, but we're willing to put in that time and that effort. And so, you know, I want to, I want to dispel the myth potentially. And I don't even know if it's a myth, but that, well, if we start to do that, then our regular customer, our regular audience is going to become uncomfortable that they don't understand this change and they're going to go spend their money elsewhere. Uh, what, what can we say to, to challenge that? preconceived notion or to maybe dispel that myth anything that uh, uh, you see an opportunity there for people that are stuck in that place I would like to pop in for a second and say that we had direct experience in a similar kind of situation when the Black Lives Movement came along last year and we very very forwardly announced our support through a newsletter to all of my folks. And we did get a lot of pushback. Not a lot. We got three or four really mean emails back and some people who said they would never be customers again. But overwhelmingly, we had way more customers support our actions and support our 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 backing of the underserved. Um, and I, I just think that, again, like I said before, the rising tide lifts all boats. If, if you're treating people well and you're trying to make this world a better place through, through your actions of your business and your day-to-day choices, I think it's just going to make everything and everybody around aware and brave enough to make their own public choices. More thanks for that. Uh, anybody else do want to leave uh, just a moment for that? We are on the hour. So I just want to touch on uh, uniforms a little bit, something we'll, we'll continue to discuss. Again, you can count on myself, Sophie who's in the room, Corey, Andrew, our whole team to continue to try and create space uh, for learning, for communication, for content. And then again, try and apply those to the business model. Anything else on uh, on restrooms? Obviously, we're not going to solve this challenge today but just lay some ground or anything else then i want to just create a couple moments for uh talking about uniforms another highly highly uh gendered and polarizing topic anything else on restrooms anybody i will say one thing so uh in denver in 2016 they passed this ordinance that all uh single use restrooms had to be converted to gender neutral signage um, and that you could not gender uh, single-use restrooms. And so I think that's a really important note for Denver um, and for Colorado, right? Uh, just understanding that there is so much more progress to be had, but that's a great example of legislation. And pretty simple, you know, if you do have single-use restrooms, why would you make it gendered, you know? That's all. Yeah, thanks for that. And uh, we'll, we'll talk uniforms for a moment. And uh, if anybody in the audience wants to uh, raise your hand, you can hit that little hand icon down in the bottom right corner. Uh, Troy, thanks for that. And uh, we'll let you uh, speak in a moment if anybody else has anything to add. And remember that this is not uh, happening in a vacuum. This is not one conversation. Uh, this is going to be many, many more conversations. I know so many of the people on the panel and so many more that we've been collaborating with this month are uh, making themselves available 
to, to be able to continue to learn and grow and develop uh, together. It's what we've always done in hospitality and what we need to do now, potentially more than ever. Uh, <clears throat> uniforms. We know how gendered uniforms are. We know that they are a tool, sometimes a weapon to get more butts in seats, to sell more product, to sell shots of X, Y, and Z. They've been massively exploited. Many people have, uh, you know, struggled with that. And so, uh, again, I, I think if you want a little bit more Ali from, uh, Ali Spalding from A League of Her Own, uh, really broke some stuff down for us and uh, was, was really, really interesting in last week. So definitely go check out last week where we talked about uh, inclusivity in the workplace and the uniforms came up. Want to leave that space open. Anything anybody would like to touch on just uh, that we can take away from this about uniforms and uh, how unbelievably gendered and sexualized that they can be in this industry and uh, what possibility we have for moving forward in that, knowing that the reality is that you, you do like some continuity, brands awareness and, and understanding and seeing who is, you know, an employee of that location is important. So continuity is there without them being forced into a, a stereotype through uniforms. Anything there? Well, I, I'll, I'll jump in for a second. Um, I realized the years I've changed because when I first started boycott, my bartenders were wearing bustiers and, and booty shorts at that time. And through, throughout the years, it became more of a branding situation. I didn't care so much about the sexualization of it because let's be honest, in our business, it always says sex sells, you know? And throughout the years, it changed more as let's just brand our business to do the right thing. My boys... And my girls all wear the same uniform. Um, so t-shirt and jeans basically right now are some, and you know, it just went to not caring about that part of it and being more about branding and just everyone feeling comfortable. Cause I feel like when you feel comfortable, you're going to give your best self. And that's what I want my employees to do. So our customer can have their best experience. Anybody else jump in? Kelly, if, if you have anything, I don't know we haven't heard from you in a moment. Uh, yeah, I'll, uh, I'll jump in on this uniform topic. You know, I mean, it's like I grew up in South Louisiana, you know, and went to grammar, Episcopal grammar school and Catholic high school. And, you know, I touched on this in our prelim conversation for, you know, the this clubhouse about how, you know, every once in a while it does get down to 30 degrees in South Louisiana. And, um you know, and we had to wear skirts and tights, you know, we weren't allowed to wear pants. We basically just had to freeze to death when it was cold outside in Louisiana because of the uniform, you know, and I just always thought that that was ridiculous. And my experience, um, you know, in later years in the restaurant industry with uniforms is, um, you know, it's like, I, I hate nothing more than a girl's t-shirt. Like there's no sleeves on them. They fit strangely. They bell out at the bottom, you know, and it's like, it's an uncomfortable shirt for, you know, waiting tables in. And so I was always sort of miffed to be like told that I had to wear like the female shirt, you know what I mean? Where I'm like, can I just get a regular t-shirt that like has sleeves and is sewn straight down the, you know, straight down the sides. And so I think for me, it's like, okay, if we're going to do uniforms and let's just pick like a color scheme and, and, and have it be a free for all, you know, like, okay, we're going to wear, everybody's going to wear green shirts and khaki pants, you know, or green shirts and khaki bottoms, or, you know what I mean? And really just, just sort of taking gender out of it. Like, um, I know that, that clothes, you know, for me, especially our performance of, you know, sort of my gender identity, but I think with regard to uniforms, you know, I just want to be 
Um, I just want the ability really in a, in a uniform to feel comfortable, to be able to dress that I, the way that I want to dress while still adhering to the, you know, the uniform code, you know, like if I'm part of a business and it's my responsibility to be branded in that company, then, then give me the freedom, you know, to, to show up um, in that branding, how I feel most comfortable. I mean, as it was just said, you know, the more comfortable I am in the clothes that I'm wearing, um, the likelier scenario is that I'm going to, you know, sell more hamburgers or I'm going to pour more drinks or I'm going to have a better time and interact with the customers in a way that's meaningful, you know? And um, so that's what I would say about that. I think that, you know, clothes, while they can, you know, definitely be a performance of, you know, my gender identity. And I know that, you know, my queer brothers and sisters, it's a lot of the same. I think, um, I think taking gender just out of clothes, you know, allowing people to show up in whatever they want, regardless of the, the body they were born into, you know, or the way that they identify. So. Yeah. Uh, I'd, I'd love to just, I think what we've been saying about bathrooms and uniforms, we're gendering objects. Like these are things, they don't have genders, they're, they're objects. Uh, and one of the, the, kind of on the flip side of this experience, we have had people uh, and my, my, both of my children are like curvy AFAB humans and have gone to jobs and been required to wear a uniform and, and because they're busty or they're hippie, have been told that what they're wearing is too provocative. And it isn't that it is provocative or, and, and of course, uh, distracting perhaps to the customers because they weren't in the food industry, which I think sexualization is more um, beneficial in that industry. And I think that that's problematic because we have all these different body types and identities and gender performance. And, and when we start, when we start limiting and taking away choice on what object you put on your body to feel comfortable uh, we we really upset all of the programs and we uh, immediately may put somebody uh, an employee in a position to feel uncomfortable as they are right and when we can hold people accountable to stop stopping sexualizing bodies which is the conversation we should have and in my case with my daughter you know she's being sexualized in the t-shirt because she's busty and instead of holding the individual accountable for sexualizing this employee, we immediately tell her she needs to wear baggier clothes when they provided the uniform for her in the first place. So I think on both sides, there's issues, right? Some people want to wear form-fitting clothes and then that's a distraction because of the industry they're in, or we want them to wear more form-fitting clothes and they don't want to wear those because it's uncomfortable for them and their their uh, identity and, and gender expression and so choice I think is the answer and stopping gendering objects and letting people choose what feels right to them and holding people accountable when they mistreat humans on the basis of sexualizing things that aren't meant to be sexualized. Rich, powerful stuff. Uh, yeah, I'll wrap with that. Uh, really, really important stuff. One of the things I think with uniforms that would be just this quick practical kind of points that I think we can take away. Audrey mentioned, you know, uh, sex sells, and obviously that's true in all things. Yet what I hear is like individual comfort might be able to sell better than anything we've ever deployed in our industry, right? Like that, that individual's comfort 
allows their opportunity for productivity or creativity to to do more in and of themselves or in the dynamic of the business or of the flow of operation there's something there that's absolutely untapped and there's that little like nucleus of something different something unique something that we can position that is is just completely overlooked individual comfort sells we're gonna we're gonna work on that Sophie, we need to work on that. That's not a good tagline yet, but there's something there that I think we can really dig into. Uh, Troy, I appreciate you raising your hands. If you had something to contribute or, or ask of the group, and uh, definitely anybody in the group who doesn't know Troy, uh, definitely click on that profile and follow somebody who's just forward thinking, especially in food systems and developing new kinds of businesses. So I think there's some opportunity there. Troy, obviously, I know with some of the new projects you're working on, uh, I think some of the group here could bring some new thinking into the foundations of your business. So anyway, uh, Troy, jump in and uh, speak to us for a moment. Yeah, thanks for that, Jensen. Really appreciate it. Really appreciate the room. Um, I would say uh, 50% of what's been said in this room has been incredibly enlightening, educating and empowering, um, you know, as a multi-business owner of my own businesses, but also of uh, responsible for building other people's brands and businesses uh, across the hospitality space. Um, this is very, very helpful, and I'm really grateful for the opportunity. Um, as far as to contribute, uh, I'm going to go backwards from where we just left off on the uniform thing. Uh, I amplify and agree and, and highlight everything that's been said. I, I feel very fortunate um, for being a 45-year-old, well-to-do white male, having lived all over the world, to at least be enlightened enough to not include gender in the conversation around objects. Um, I have built and operated uh, venues where uniform was an extremely important part of the identity uh, of the venue, I be it uh, private clubs and things of that nature, golf clubs. But it's very simple. Comfort uh, is the most important attribute because if an employee is comfortable, especially in a long sleeve black shirt and tie, outside in the heat for a wedding, um, my God, they can't work if they can't breathe or don't feel comfortable, don't feel like they, um, they appreciate their own appearance. So it's very simple. I lay the catalog order sheet in front of my team and they order what they want. And if they feel one style design, and of course, if I could find designs that were um, gender neutral, that was always preferred. And with the nourish brands, they are. Everybody wears a chef coat. Um, and you can get fitted and female cut and all that. You can have any chef coat you want. As long as it has the word nourish and the end on it, I'm happy. It doesn't matter to me. Um, but, but thanks for that. And as far as the restrooms, also this, this occurred in LA County and I think statewide in California, it's making me question because I have to live by municipality when we're building things. But, um, you know, I, I, this was a very difficult scenario for me in that my company managed and operated a private golf club um, that had a public uh, restaurant and my goodness you would have thought you would have thought I put up the Russian flag on the pole out front when all of the single use and there's lots of them on a golf course and, and around the golf club um, we had we went gender neutral signage um, and, and everybody had their own reasons uh, and, and there were some difficulties that were not gender related not related to the politicalization of this topic but um, but the practical one, um, you know, cigar smoking, uh, whiskey drinking, uh, 65 year old golf men, um, are, are among the least hygienic humans you'll ever work with or deal with. And the women kept their own bathroom. The, 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 I'm talking about the members of the club 
with flowers and, and nice potpourri and kept it clean and, and the men just destroyed it and had no respect. So we'd have conversations with the membership around general respect and hygiene around other people, regardless of their gender. Um, but as to the pronoun conversation, um, extremely enlightening and very empowering to make uh, me feel comfortable being able to have that conversation. Um, this group in this room has uh, really um, taken my understanding to another level. And I'm super grateful for that. And really looking forward to following this group wherever uh, it um, presents itself on this topic and others in the future. I really appreciate the time and um, the opportunity to learn today. Troy, thank you so much. And actually, you made a good point. Uh, my wife, Betsy, the one, uh, the one thing that she said specifically was like, uh, uh, women, the women's restroom, we, she would be more uh, apt to having uh, gender neutrality in those if we could just figure out how to keep the damn toilets clean. And uh, I have to, you know, we have to own that and, and show some respect. And uh, I can appreciate that for sure. So I think just we have some work to do across the board and it comes with that effort. We got to all put in some effort here. So I uh, want to go around and just very quickly have everyone just say, where can, where can we find you? Best place to connect with you? Because uh, as Troy mentioned, uh, you know, a lot of people uh, listening to this later in the podcast that have been in the room will want to uh, be able to stay in touch with you, be able to uh, continue to learn from you. So we'll go around. Kelly, best, uh, best place to connect with you. Yeah, thanks, Jensen. This has been a really great clubhouse, and I'm glad we were able to get together for this. And I just wanted to kind of put in a little plug for, you know, in the South gets a lot of things wrong, especially with regard to queer issues and, um, and inclusivity. And, um, but the one thing we do get right is we use, you know, we use the word y'all, you know, and I think that with regard to, you know, addressing groups of people where you don't know their gender identity, you know, a hey, y'all will, uh, will do it right. And, um, and I guess, as far as uh, ways to connect with me, you know, my email address is kelly at murphscondiments.com. I um, I'm very proficient with email and, and I'll get back to you pretty much uh, instantaneously. So that's the best way to connect with me. And it's just been a privilege to be a part of this group. So thanks, everybody. I guess we're all gonna go around and just jump in ourselves. But uh, yeah, so in order to reach me, um, definitely you can email me at kai at kaiconsulting.co. Um, you can also add me on LinkedIn, Kai Walsh, uh, but also um, to follow the Queer Umbrella, we are on Instagram at uh, the Queer Umbrella. So uh, yeah, see you guys there. Thanks, Kai. Yeah, Audrey, Maura, Rach, Ryan, if you guys just want to kind of jump in and sequence, uh, tell us where to connect with you. Yes. Jensen, thank you for having me too as well. Um, you can connect with me at boycottbar at gmail.com. And then when you're in Phoenix, Arizona, stop by and have a drink, everybody. Look forward to meeting you guys. I'll jump in. Mara Gramzinski, you can reach me at redcamper.com or Instagram, redcamper. Um, it was a pleasure participating in this, this discussion. Thank you. Cheers. Yeah, so uh, you can reach Joe and I. Joe had to head to work. So um, you can reach either of us at um, 
at on Instagram at as you are bar. Um, also on TikTok at as you are bar, which we do not run because we're old people, but we have an amazing media producer that does that for us. And then we're also at uh, on the web at asyouarebar.com. Um, and all of our, our links and stuff in our bios on IG, so if you need to shoot us an email or something like that, this has been great. I just love learning from y'all and having these conversations and normalizing this kind of, uh, this kind of change. Thank you. Great. You need to connect Sophie and I with uh, whoever's running TikTok because we're, we're challenging ourselves to stretch our thinking and communication style. So we're uh, launching some TikTok stuff for sure. And, and uh, you know, count on us to clumsily find ways to, to engage that audience there. Appreciate that. Ryan, go ahead and, uh, and let us know where we can connect with you and then we'll wrap up this room. Yeah, I've also been encouraged to uh, start a TikTok and hand it over to our team. Um, so looking forward to that. But you can find me at Ryan at BearBrewing.com or on Instagram at BearBrewing or at Ryan Skeels. And thank you, um, everybody. I look forward to connecting you with you further and always looking to do projects with other people in the community. All right, we're going to wrap with that. Thanks to... Uh... To Kelly, Audrey, Vora, Rach, Joe, Kai, Ryan, uh, Troy for jumping up, uh, Sophie for record recording the room, and uh, you'll see lots more content from this. We always like to get some audiograms out there, so check out at Best Served Podcast uh, throughout the rest of the week as you'll see some of the great quotes and uh, insights from this group uh, represented there and some little nice sound bites. And uh, we got some articles. Kelly wrote a, wrote a great article, a couple great articles Kelly's written now for bestservedpodcast.com, where we're including more voices in the culinary narrative, anybody at any level in any facet of this industry of the food world, food system has an opportunity to speak their truth, share their voice. It's not just the anointed who get to speak on behalf of such a complex, diverse, and tens of millions strong industry that uh, that has so much to say and so much to express and now's the time to listen and be open so thanks to uh, everybody on the panel everyone who is was with us live in clubhouse and everybody tuning in on the podcast definitely go check out clubhouse if you're not on already we love bringing new people into this forum and uh hit us up for sure at Besser podcast on twitter Instagram, TikTok, and see if we can't get you on Clubhouse to be a part of these conversations live. And you can hit the uh, uh, the different uh, Clubhouse clubs where we have the best served F&B creatives club where we're hosting a lot of these, these discussions. That is it. All right, everybody. Have a great rest of your day. Appreciate you all. Cheers. Thanks for listening to the Best Served Podcast. Subscribe to our show and connect with us on social media at Best Served Podcast. Tune in next week to discover more unsung hospitality heroes.